I'm with my friend Alex Canovis. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I feel like when I saw it on your email, I was like, is that how I say it? There have been so many <laughs> wonderful mispronunciations of that that I could talk about for hours, but it is indeed Canovis. <laughs> we'll say that for a name. Yes. I know. <laughs> this is Chasing Curiosity. I'm your host, Alicia Tillman. On this episode, I have a wonderful conversation with my choir director turned friend, Alex Canovis. We met when I joined choir last year, which was started by a creative community called Creative Mornings. Alex is a true joy to be around, and his authentic and thoughtful way of being has made an impact on me. I wanted to learn more about his journey with music and how he got to where he is. So first, I just love to hear like who you are, kind of where you grew up, maybe where you live in New York. Um, what you do, like a little background about yourself. Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm Alex. I'm from the Hudson Valley in upstate originally, and I grew up just south of Albany. I uh, went to school in uh, central New York in Ithaca and then moved down here about eight years ago. Um, worked. I went to the conservatory, studied music. I worked in music, and then I didn't work in music. I worked in uh, the healthcare tech world for about four years while doing music and working in music but definitely the the tech job was the focus and then transitioned into doing music full-time about two and a half years ago uh so i am now the artistic director of a group called the young new yorkers chorus which is comprised of uh two ensembles of people in their 20s and 30s that love to sing Uh, one group is a mixed ensemble of about 80 singers and the other one's a women's ensemble of about 50 to 60 singers, depending on the time of year. I'm also the director of music at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Carroll Gardens, where I also live. And I direct the Creative Mornings Choir that Alicia is in. Uh, It's the best. It's it's pretty fun. (laughs) It's pretty fun. Uh, And... Other than that, I do workshops, clinics, teach uh, voice on the side, musicianship, and it all pays the rent at the end of the yeah. month, so I'm very lucky. It sounds really fun, yeah. like you're doing, living out your passion. Yeah. What was the transition from the health tech to music, and how did that kind of Oof. happen? Yeah, so the, the short-ish version is I got the job at the healthcare tech company um, as a part-time position about six years ago, and I worked there part-time for about nine months liked it and at that point in my life I wanted stability and I wanted mm-hmm. you know steady income benefits which is something I hadn't had yeah uh, in my adult life ever so I um, I went full-time and it was something I was really good at and I gradually moved up the ranks moved up the ranks and became a team lead on a service team but I also did I was a generalist so I did a bunch of different things with health systems Mm -hmm. as well as like um, data stuff and all stuff that Mm -hmm. I definitely went to school for (laughs) Um, and I was doing music as well on the side, getting paid for it, um, got more and more gigs and the company I was with, uh, went through a reorganization, a number of reorganizations and a CEO change. And it just changed the company from one that was a startup to a not startup and they're doing great. Uh, but I was, uh, it wasn't a great fit for me anymore. And so, um, it's a good story. So I actually, um, knew that I wanted to leave in early 2017 Mm -hmm. 
And over the course of the spring, I was, you know, budgeting and saying, okay, when can I leave? I set a target date for August. Um, because I um, was a team lead, I couldn't just give two weeks notice. I needed to give about a month, two months. Okay. Um, and so I, uh, in May, I went into my boss, who I'm still really good friends with, and I gave my notice. And he said, oh, like, I'm actually leaving as well. Um, and we were thinking that maybe you'd be a good fit for my role. And in that moment when it became clear, like, oh, my gosh, I could have my boss's job and I could make way more money than I may ever make doing what I do now. It was the easiest decision I've ever made in saying no. Uh, And so I transitioned out. The beginning was kind of rough. I didn't have a ton of work, but I had enough to get by. Um, and then it all, it's very general, but this is all, it all kind of worked out from there within the span of about a year. I got my other consistent gigs. Um, that's the the shortish, (laughs) the rest of it is probably an entire episode of a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's really brave to just decide. But I also think it's really interesting that in that moment you were like, this is it. Yeah. Like I could have this thing that would provide these things that society might say that are positive or the things we want, but then to know that that's not what you want. Like what's going to make you happy is choosing this other path. Yeah. It was pretty, um, it was pretty amazing and something that I feel like we all have these moments in life where we just know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something I've learned just a life lesson in getting older is just trusting your gut is, yeah so so important and it was kind of the coalescence of trusting my gut having things fall into place and me know it just made me know exactly what to do and I can't explain what caused me to just say no I don't want that yeah but it was right it felt so so right yeah oh that's so good trusting your gut yeah. is Oof, so important good stuff yes <laughs> that's awesome um so I would love to know about like your childhood and maybe like ha- like did was there something that sparked your interest in music like was there a moment when you like heard something and you're like this is it or if there's any like kind of um backstory to how you got into loving yeah music? sure so i mean there are all the stories that like my mom and my dad tell me about you were so musical when you were younger <laughs> um the i i didn't my path didn't follow the typical path of like taking piano lessons when you're four years old and doing this and then starting choir really early. Yeah. I actually, I started clarinet when I was in fifth grade. Wait, did I tell you that I, I played it too? Wait, you may have. Okay. I don't tell the Either story way. that often. Okay. So. Well, we, I played it too. And I was in, well, it's a lovely instrument. The clarinet's yeah. great instrument. I, I just, the bug hadn't bitten hmm. yet. And so I played fifth and sixth grade and I just stopped didn't really enjoy what we were doing and I think it just where I was I was kind of a rebellious uh preteen if you will and I you know was focused way more on making friends and having people like me than (laughs) doing what I wanted to do maybe um sounds like a preteen yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um and so there was a local music studio in the town that I grew up in and um I had sung in a just, you know, I'd always liked singing and my mom was trying to find things for me to do to kind of reel me in. And so (laughs) I liked guitar a lot. My dad liked guitars too, and he collects them and she suggested singing lessons. And so I sang and I did, you know, like Danny Boy and some of the standard like 
early preteen non-changed voice mm-hmm. uh, for boys yeah. um, rep. And I played guitar and I had a guitar teacher too. And that that kind of worked. Um, but I actually, it didn't click until I actually transferred from a public school to a private school for just eighth grade. And it was a much smaller school and I hadn't, the public school wasn't a great fit. And I got to the private school and I, something clicked and there were more opportunities for me to do music. I really liked guitar. I'd been trying to practice and there wasn't anything particularly remarkable about me early on. It was just, (laughs) I liked it. So I kept Mm -hmm. doing it. And I started to play at like, um, it was a Catholic school. So services and praise band type stuff Mm -hmm. and then I started playing bands, and that was my thing, actually, early on, was wow. jam bands. That's so cover cool. cover bands. I feel yeah. like we should play a track of that. We should play, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's a <laughs> passcode, there's a passcode on that, and I, I swallowed the key. Um, okay, but, so yeah, that was like, uh, and I transferred back into the public school system in my town um, in ninth grade, but I, I played in bands but I also joined choir when I got back to high school and that kind of set the foundation for what started I started to feel like was right for me now Mm -hmm. and I remember there were a few moments when I was a freshman in high school where I just all of a sudden realized oh like this feels very right and I don't Mm. know what that means yet because I'm 14 (laughs) right (laughs) and I don't know how to use my words Mm -hmm. (laughs) let alone do anything so yeah um and then I was in bands and I was still a little unruly and, you know, I just wanted friends. I wanted to be liked. And I think yeah. we all want that yeah. and we all express that in different ways. Right. And I, to the detriment of maybe figuring out what I really wanted to do. And it wasn't until the end of my sophomore year in high school, um, my mom caught me going to a party. <gasps> Oh, oh, oh my gosh. With little mini bottles of like absolute vodka. Oh my gosh. In one of those, like, you know, the gym bags that bros have? Yes. That, like, yeah. Oh yeah. In one of like one of those. And she was like, what's in the bag? And I was like, nothing. And she was like, okay. And she, it was just, uh, it was a moment in time where I realized I needed to stop hanging out with that crowd. So I did. And um, I started to do the school musicals. Ooh. And I did Grease. Was that your first one? My first musical ever, yeah. Were, were you like in the chorus? Did you have a part? I was the Teen Angel. The Beauty School <laughs> There are pictures so of that cool. on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, it was, a, it was a time. It was a time. I bet. Um, And I started singing more and more of the groups at school. Okay. And it was, I, I think by the time I got to, it's funny, I, I think back when people and this might be a question that you had, like, if there was anything else that I would, I don't know, just thinking, yeah. like, I when I think back, like, was there anything else I really wanted to do at mm. that time or thought I would do, especially once college, you know, right. came around? And I can't think of anything else. It was always music. If anything, maybe political mm. science, but okay. <laughs> I <I'm, laughs> made the right choice. Um, yeah. I, whew, um, that's a boy. That's a boy, yeah. <laughs> so it was just figuring out, like, what in music I wanted to do. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in Greece, but I started like, what was it, Greece? Um, we did Greece our, my freshman year okay. of, in high school. And then, no, it was Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly, oh. I was like a volunteer, like I helped out with like the programs. And then 
junior and senior year, I did the musical and we did Anything Goes and then State Fair. Oh my gosh, um, State Fair. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I was just in the, I was just in the chorus, but... Um, just, of course, it's very you know, important. Yeah. It was really fun, but That's Greece was awesome. definitely like, I remember seeing it when I was a student being like, this is, they're so cool. Like they're on stage singing. It's amazing. Yeah. The thing for, actually, the thing for me, the, uh, I just remember this, Les Mis. Les Mis, oh. I wasn't in it, but it was... Um, done my sophomore year okay. I only started doing musicals in my junior year and when I saw Les Mis I remember thinking um oh <laughs> oh yeah. yes definitely I, I want to do something like this yeah so but Greece has a special place yeah, it's your first one. Oh yes yeah. Greece lightning <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool did you like do you get nervous to be on stage or were you for that particular performance um for Greece, yeah. oh my God, I was absolutely a train wreck, and <clears throat> just I think stage fright wise, I don't get it as much anymore. But for a while, intense anxiety. Hmm. Once I'm once I was out there, it was just you're doing right. the thing, and yeah. I think a lot of people say the same thing that yeah. I have stage fright. But oh my gosh, before that, before every choral performance, even if it was like 50 people and a donkey in the audience, you know, just, <laughs> just for years, yeah. years, years, years. Yeah. Oh man. I definitely have that. I feel like I get nervous even before the creative mornings. <gasps> um, just cause I'm like that, but, um, well, just, I, me too sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. That's, I think that's interesting. The thing about like the anxiety leading up to something, but then especially when it's something that you know that you like should be doing yeah when you step out and you're in it it's like you're like alive like yeah. you're full in yourself um i think that's really cool so i this is like maybe a little bit of a deep question but like what does like music mean to you <gasps> i guess maybe another question that could help clarify like is mm-hmm. there a s- specific way that um music kind of fills like your soul or is there a space that music takes up in in your like your like true self or yeah this is i mean it's one of those abstract questions that i think a lot of people think a lot about and i as well i think definitely right off the bat music helps me say what i can't say with words and i don't consider myself someone that's particularly excellent at expressing myself through words both verbal and written um it's one of my big like sore points my written communication because part of the work that I do is writing like program notes and Mm. blog posts Mm -hmm. and things like that and I just it's one of those things that I think I'm just not great at at all and so when I am performing and now I the the bulk of my work is conducting so Mm -hmm. I'm actually on the other side and I'm trying to show through gesture and through demonstration and through leadership ways for people to do the same thing where they can Mm -hmm. then say the things that they might not be able to say with words or deal with you know come to terms with whatever they might be you know feeling or experiencing at that moment in their lives um I think music is the great connector in my life and it's always helped me make make sense of things that that just don't make sense so you know, voice lessons, talking about the breath, talking about mm-hmm. breathing and breath support and, you know, the muscles that support that. And then, you know, music's place in society and musicology and why things are written. And something that's been really wonderful lately is I've been able to 
collaborate with a lot of um, composers, a lot of living composers, because they're living. That's yeah. why I call, can't collaborate. <laughs> like, excuse me, Mozart. Um, <laughs> ring, um, ring, ring. Imagine. Banana phone. So, which is... Which is so interesting if you take a step back and think like, wow, like, you know, in 50, 100 years, like, I don't assume this will happen or presume that this will happen. But what if people look back and look at the relationship between, you know, certainly conductors and composers. Mm -hmm. But if I'm one of those people or if a composer I'm working with is one of those people, like, that's incredible to look at, yeah. you know, no matter at what level that you that you work, even if you're a beginner or mm -hmm. work with volunteers or professionals or if you're the fill or the met or you know wherever you know your impact on the world so it's a little long rambly i think every time i answer a question like this it becomes a ramble and then the ramble is the case in point um <laughs> yeah, because it's just it's everything yeah it's it's everything and i'm not sure i'd, I'd be a political analyst i guess if music wasn't hmm. in my life getting a lot of work it seems but yeah, <laughs> says, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> i think that's really um i don't know the wonderful i i'm not like a music for me is just like a, a fun thing or a a thing i do i listen to or like being in the choir but there is something that like music does that like goes beyond like like language can't like express yeah um there's like feel i have like i've even thought before i should like look i should study the psychology behind music what happens when certain i hear certain notes it makes me feel a certain way like that kind of stuff is really interesting to me as well but yeah, yeah it has a special like power it feels like magic it's the interesting thing is there are a lot of there are a lot of great books on the psychology of music and one is um Daniel Levitin's This Is Your Brain on Music, mm. and then the late Oliver Sacks' uh, oh. Musicophilia. Those two, in my view, are like the two gold standard, mm. like being able to um, blend the scientific neurological sides of things to the musical, the firmly musical sides. Yeah. But I, what's far more compelling to me is I feel like a lot of, I envy people that don't have a training in music mm. and that that do music for fun because they often hold more of the answers than mm. like the more you know the less you know kind of a thing yeah i think there's so much more to be learned and it's so much more fascinating to me um people that don't have conservatory training mm -hmm. what they're feeling and what they're experiencing because we you know professional musicians conservatory trained musicians have rewired mm -hmm. our brains and our view of music and so we're kind of ruined <laughs> we're just thanks. Uh, bye like yeah. thanks yeah um so i don't know i mean it's it's great to look up all that stuff and like how is this making yeah. me feel etc and what is this making me feel right. but i think you already know that it's true yeah yeah and that's more exciting to me that's more yeah. compelling and interesting that's like part of what it means to be human to have those experiences i yeah. think how do you then um sort of like free yourself from the job part and like experience or... have almost have that freedom to be in the music or listen and um be moved in a, like a different way than maybe your work does for you yeah i that is something i think about literally 500 times a day and <laughs> I, a lot of creatives say this, that transition from a, you know, day job plus creative mm -hmm. career into just creative career. Like yeah. how do you find, how do you keep the yeah. love up, so to speak? How right. do you, 
and I, I have good days and I have not so good days. And the thing that's, I don't have a great answer for this. That's like a heal all. But one thing that helps is, um, my brother has a YouTube channel. He's a, I just keep saying music critic, but that feels so official. He's, <laughs> he's a, he, he is a music critic yeah. and he, um, reviews pop albums his youtube i'll plug him because he's amazing mike the snare on youtube check it out um he does quick reviews and discography dives into an artist and then he does these giant long form reviews of um like studies about like music in the 2010s and its impact on culture and things like that and it's amazing and he he's kind of my rock when it comes to he's another um conservatory trained musician but he um he's my rock when it comes to like pop music so I listen to I try and really listen to like a lot of Lizzo and a lot of Billie Eilish and a lot of like not necessarily to get into the mindset of the people so to speak <laughs> I think that a lot of my fellow classical musicians could stand to, to take a few steps down a little bit <laughs> even those who are in more like the contemporary music yeah. world um and thankfully a lot of them are which is really cool and you see a lot of like really awesome contemporary composers getting a lot of work that work with people like Kanye West or mm-hmm. work with people that are doing the pop stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that helps. Um, I, I still have my songs that mm-hmm. I just listen to on repeat. I'm a repeat guy, oh, just yeah. like hundreds of times I listening to this, you know, choral piece or yeah. this op- uh, aria from an opera. Um, but I think the thing that helps the most is just putting it into perspective. And this is something I say in rehearsal mm-hmm. sometimes when things, when people are like, I can't do this thing or like, ah, oh. it's, you know, listen, we're in a choir rehearsal mm-hmm. on a Thursday night singing a song. <laughs> the stakes are not that high. You know, but also the stakes are quite high, but I think in coming from it at a, from a place of like, look at what we get to do from a mentality of abundance, yeah. um, is helpful, but it's not always easy. Yeah. It's yeah. not always easy, but it's definitely both. And I like that the stakes are not that high, but then they are, but in a way that's not like not meant to be intimidating yeah. in a way that like it matters how we spend our time. Um, but it also matters just to enjoy it yeah. too. Um, I think more than anything to enjoy. Um, okay. So you direct choirs. I do. Would you say that you're a choir director or conductor? What's the proper? Oh, either one's fine. It's like choral conductor, I guess is the academic choir director also works. I want to know how to introduce. I talk about you all the time. So I mean, like I want, when I tell my friends about Alex, my, now I can say Choir I'm going to say choir director. Choir director. Choir conductor. Choir director. Choir director is fine. <laughs> okay. The one thing I don't like is maestro. Oh. There is some people, like, if they <laughs> if they cold email me or things like that, it's just a, it's a, it's an old school thing. But okay. Like, maestro Canovis gives me gas. And I, I just, you know, <laughs> it's That's just amazing. the one thing. Yeah. It's like my one okay. thing. But call I won't me do whatever it. you want. Okay. That's totally cool. fine. Um. What is your favorite part about directing choirs? Oh, or, okay, if you could pick a thing this week that you're loving, if if the, your favorite is too much, because I feel like that's a really big question. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it's a great question in terms of, like, this week. So um, 
the two ensembles that I direct with the Young New Yorkers Chorus mm-hmm. were gearing up for concerts in um, a little under two weeks and then a Saturday after that. And the the concert cycle, just in out of context, like you begin a cycle and you introduce new music mm-hmm. and you get to know that music and you let it sit for a bit and then, you know, let's say a concert cycle has 10 rehearsals, mm-hmm. a dress rehearsal and a concert. Like behind, by rehearsal number five, You've learned all the music and you're like, oh, this is fun. You've been singing. And then five or six, you usually have the oh shit rehearsal, which is, oh, oh, we have to do this at a concert. Oh, okay. And then, oh, and then seven, eight, nine, and 10 are the most fascinating to me because Mm. it becomes then an emotional experience for people that are, they're trying to figure out how do I connect to this repertoire emotionally? How do I connect to it intellectually, kinesthetically? Some people, seeing people's approaches, some people are very intellectual about it. And it's like, this is a puzzle. This is a Rubik's Cube that I have to solve. Mm -hmm. Some people are just fully in it. And they're like, I'm just going to be here. And whatever happens, happens. Some people are so anxious. Mm. Um, And I think what I love the most about this part of the, the cycle is that it can go any way. Yeah. It can go any which way. And these performances are going to be amazing. But um, I tell the singers a lot, like, I want this to be a great experience for you. And seeing what they do when they step up the plate to make, um, mm. step up to the plate to make that experience what they want it to be, it's such a beautiful, amorphous thing that you don't know what's going to come out on the other side. Um, and that only happens right before a performance mm. um, or even like slightly before right before yeah. like a rehearsal before the rehearsal before <laughs> right the performance <laughs> because once you get into like it's go time then it becomes very much like yeah. you're standing here and right. you move here and open your mouth and we're good so mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah that's interesting so I used to do theater mm-hmm. um, and like I was never like good but I was always there for uh, um, like and I ended up doing behind the scenes stuff more okay. um but there was there's something about because you're like dress rehearsal it's like you're just getting the stuff down making sure it's right mm-hmm. but there is like this magic it feels like um and that your your explanation of it is super interesting just like when it clicks like you from the perspective of leading everyone yeah. and guiding them through this watching that experience happen and being a part of like facilitating it um i think is really special it sounds special it's it's a it's a privilege. It's a, you know, it's a privilege. And I, sometimes I take it for granted mm-hmm. and I have to be, it's a slippery slope for directors to take, because if you just immediately take it for granted or consistently rather, mm-hmm. it's just no one wins. Yeah. So it's, I mean, talk about in terms of keeping the love alive yeah. with the music, it's also you know, to be entrusted with the duty of leading people in any capacity, uh, capacity, let alone one where you're like the steward, so to speak, the keeper of their artistic self. Yeah. You know, you, you can do a lot of good and you can do a lot of not good if you're, right. you know, not thoughtful about it. So That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, how you prepare for, like, an upcoming concert series, like, because I think you have a whole season, and then it's broken up into different um, performances throughout the year, and, like, that process. So it's, um, so YNYC, uh, in particular, our season theme uh, theme is Metropolis, 
Uh, it's all about New York City. The first concert was called the Holiday Modulations, and it was my vision of a uh, choral concert with the energy of shopping on Fifth Avenue in the holidays, mm-hmm. and we did it. <laughs> and I have to say, I was there, and one of the songs was supposed to evoke the a, was it the A train yeah. experience, and I used to take that train, and you did it. Yeah, you did it. We did it. We did it. <laughs> that piece, oof, that was a fun one. Yeah, that was, it was Christmas at the Cloisters. It's called. Oof, yeah, so fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so the remaining uh, part of the season, we're traveling to um, other boroughs of the city uh, that typically don't have choral concerts, um, maybe like high school choral concerts or things like that. But um, in two weeks, we're performing in Jamaica, Queens, and we're doing an entire concert about Queens. Uh, and then a week after that, um, our women's ensemble, so the mixed ensemble is doing Queens, and the women's ensemble is doing a concert in Brooklyn at the Irondale Center as a part of their On Women series. Cool. Um, And there's a good amount of programming amongst music leaders that, like, right now a big trend is to program a bunch of stuff about Beethoven Mm -hmm. because it's his, like, anniversary of his... I should know this. What would it be? (laughs) It'd be his death, right? Yeah, it'd be his anniversary of his... Yeah, it has to be his death. I don't know. I have a degree in music, I promise. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's a lot of, like, Beethoven this and Beethoven that. And that's cool, but I think that it's much more compelling to explore what a given ensemble wants to say. Mm -hmm. Like, what does this group of humans in front of me want to say, given that the human voice is such... It's the most dynamic instrument in existence. Mm -hmm. And so if you, you know, love me some Beethoven, love me some Brahms, love me, you know... Eric Whitaker's a really popular composer, and we have a few of his pieces coming up later in the year, popular choral composer. Uh, But what thematically can you explore that singers are going to connect to and thus be able to more effectively communicate to an audience in front of them? That's cool. Yeah. Does that look like... um, Like, how does that look... So you audition um, singers. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a thought in mind of how you want the concert series to go, or do you really kind of get to know people who you've you know chosen to be in the choir for that season and then decide? Or oh, you mean like, like deciding that? the pieces and things? Yeah, like yeah. That. I guess once you yeah, so like yeah. letting the letting the um, the singers kind of influence that a bit and the story you guys all want to tell together as an ensemble. Like there's a um, there have been some concerts I've done that for I um, so I'm going into this is my second year with YMYC and I'm going into my third next year and the entire season for next year has been planned hmm. um, not necessarily all the repertoire but yeah. like the landmark pieces on okay. each concert have been yeah. selected um, and not even the choir knows what it is so I won't <laughs> reveal it here it'll be but secret it'll be secret so um, I think to an extent I I, I tend to pick like 70% of the pieces well, well, well in advance. And then, you know, for this concert, actually, there was one piece missing, actually two, but one in particular. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And then a conversation with a colleague of mine just made me realize, oh, it, I have to pick this piece. It's what's mm. been missing. And so that happened wow. like the week that rehearsal started. Wow. Um, that's cool. And sometimes the librarians that work with us are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I know I can't, I can't predict inspiration. <laughs> I'm an artist. Um, but <laughs> must be respected. Must be respected. Yes. yes. Um, so, and you know, as it stands, you know, a lot of times grants 
you know, require you to have things planned, you know, years in advance, seasons mm. in advance. So practically speaking, you have to be able to plan at least the overarching themes, yeah. you know, well in advance. But, you know, always good to be prepared. Yeah. And then some, but life happens sometimes right. and you have to pivot. And, yeah. you know, to or you feel inspired. You feel inspired. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, you briefly touched on this, but do you have like a favorite type of music that you listen to? Um, or is it like dependent on how you feel? Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's yeah. very much, and that's changed as time has gone on. I, I think I was definitely a choral nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, especially once I got to college and something I didn't say earlier is that I actually went to school specifically for opera oh that was my focus especially towards the end and so you know I would do all the operas and sing in opera workshops and master classes and stuff but I always knew looking back I always knew it was conducting and even when you're in school even when I was in school Mm -hmm. I think I um I just wasn't ready yet mm-hmm. to say, oh, okay, this is it. I think that whether it was the, the safer route in yeah. my mind to be an opera singer, which right. what, um, <laughs> or, you know, an administrator, I liked doing admin work. Okay. And so that was a path that I followed for a little bit. Um, you know, so favorite types of music wise, listen to love going to the opera, cool. love, you know, seeing other choirs perform, love me some mambo. Love oh. me some like samba. Uh, what's what am I listening to? Charlie XCX. A lot of Charlie XCX right now. Oh, okay. um, it's all like electro pop. Yeah, um, that's fun. Yeah, so I, I try, and that's another place where my brother's really good mm-hmm. at keeping me in check in terms of being diverse yeah. with uh, musical tastes. And I even consider, even with that in mind, I don't consider myself as diverse as I could be. So I'm always, mm-hmm. you know style of music that I'm not super familiar with like give me you know or you know artists that I'm not familiar with send it to me so I can just you know develop an even wider rep of knowledge so so I so being a part of the creative mornings choir with you um like your way of being is so um like it I feel really inspired by it and um it's so inclusive and it really, I think, sparks a lot of joy in everyone who's there. Mm. And it made me think or wonder, like, where you cultivated or developed or learned your philosophy of life. Um, and I know that's a big question, <laughs> but um, just take a stab, I guess. I think I can... Well, as it... The, the classical music world, which has beautifully and thankfully kind of broken down barrier wise a little bit but in like a good amount so over the past decade Mm -hmm. um you know if you think of like you know the stereotypical like piano teacher voice teacher like there's a harshness involved and yeah you know there as with any industry there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens but um i think especially for the voice, especially for singers, for a long time, the, uh, the psychological and emotional were, you know, this might be a little controversial, but were neglected in favor of the technical. Mm. Um, and, you know, do these exercises and, you know, be a better singer and, you know, 
you know, use your steamer, you know, like all this kind of stuff, you know, to go on vocal rest and, you know, things that, you know, uh, you know, pay for this program and go to Italy to study this or go to do this summer program or this young artist program, mm -hmm. as they're called. And with the way the world works now, unless you have, unless you come from money, mm -hmm. unless you have, you know, personal means, um, it's not realistic to be able to do all that kind of stuff, right. to be able to invest that for a lot of us. Right. And it also takes the focus away from like, why am I doing this in the first place? And I think that's what I kept coming back to after going through conservatory training and, you know, musicianship classes, sight singing, rhythm, music theory, music history, mm -hmm. music, like everything. Like why, why, like why in the first place? And I think that I have now gotten to a point in my career where I continue continually ask myself the, that question but I wish that um, and I'm lucky to have have had such amazing teachers but I wish that I had that question had been posed to me far earlier why why, mm. why in the first place is it yeah. to sound really good on a recording and then get into a grad school is it to you know just be the best singer or to make the most money like you don't get into this to make money for <laughs> sure but um, and after working professionally i think the the beauty of creative mornings which really quickly came about because i attended at the suggestion of one of the choir members i direct in ymyc um i attended a creative mornings in december 2018 the speaker was james sills who's this amazing song leader and choral leader from uh, wales and saw the talk tina Eisenberg, Swiss Miss, got up at the end and said, this is great. I want to start a choir. Can anyone do that? And I kind of said, well, <laughs> I, I cannot think of any other reason why I'd be here other than to do this. This mm -hmm. is one of those days. Yeah. And so then we started it. And it's a very different thing than I usually do. Um, you know, the stuff I usually do has a heavy emphasis on reading music mm -hmm. and a lot of musicianship stuff and technique and not to say the Creative Mornings Choir doesn't, but that's the the thing in my life currently that helps me answer that question like why why mm. why in the first place and i think that if it, i had to boil it down to anything it's why are we doing this in the first place and what can we add to the world by doing mm. this because i think so often given the way the world is right now we come from this mentality of scarcity and what can go wrong and why am i not doing this right and quality is super important. It's super important to honor a composer's, you know, wishes in their, mm -hmm. you know, pieces that you do. It's super important to have a great sound. It's super important to be the best that you can be. But it's more important to remember that you're human and that you have something to add to the world. And what you bring is enough mm -hmm. and leading with that instead of the negative and the why can't I do this mentality allows for so much more growth in a healthy sustainable way and you often get a way better sounding mm -hmm. and feeling and you know, product out of that following that path rather than sing 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 do right. this do that etc yeah. that makes sense yeah oh I love that and that's why I go back. I mean, 
Because I love. I love that you go that. back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of the OGs. Yes. I make up a different name for the vets every time, but I just don't like <laughs> saying veterans because I just get it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. fair. <laughs> I say I think I've moved to tenured. Yeah. Tenured tenure. folk or tenured. Um, yeah, the Creative Mornings Choir has been so amazing. I mean, you've really created a space for people to feel welcome and I know creative mornings does that too and it makes so yeah. much sense too that you would come alongside that and create that same space in the choir so it's been a wonderful experience I'm for glad. me and can't wait to do more yeah um, yeah that, that I think that's it for me did you is there anything else that you want to say that I didn't touch on like oh um, um, I stay hydrated <laughs> <laughs> um Gosh, maybe it's the the I haven't eaten dinner, but I I don't have anything else. That's so fine. Just stay hydrated. Yeah, like yeah. as a general rule or for singing. Just in general. Okay. You asked me if I had anything <laughs> left, and I was like, you know what? I don't think I've been told this enough lately. But also for singing, it's very. I feel like a lot of problems could be solved with people who drank more water. Yeah. Yeah. Almost everything you think could be solved. Yeah. yeah. Every if you just drank more. So. Yeah. Okay. So so stay hydrated. Yes. If that's, just skip it. to the end of the. Put a thing at the beginning of the podcast. It's like none of this is important. Skip to x second, x minute. If you take one thing away, mm-hmm. stay hydrated. When you retweet this and just write this with a period, as we as we are want to do in this digital age. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me and. Um, I can't wait to see you at choir next time. Me too. Thank <laughs> All you right. so much, we'll Catch you next time. In the coming weeks, we'll hear from several people about how they've navigated through difficult experiences in life, including death, loss of love, and my own reflections on being quarantined alone. Stay tuned. Whoops! That's done. That's in the world this is now. Not live. What a fun um, <laughs> night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great.